isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You are so unqualified to give advice that you can't even hear the story. Just because he's shoving a dildo in his ass doesn't necessarily mean that he's gay. Knowing what you know now, would you have built a shipping container home? Make no mistake, these walls are as thin as a piece of paper made of PVC. We do have power running by our property. We made the active choice to stay off grid. I worried we had made the biggest mistake. Like we were so calculated, so careful. everyone and welcome back to episode two of tangents with tyler and todd it's so cool to be here i'm loving it i love it it, we had so much fun last week and i just want to say thank you to every single one of you who left all of those lovely reviews and gave us five stars on apple you're all so kind and like this is why we just love this community that we've all built together you're just amazing it filled our hearts with so much warmth and kind of made us know we're making the right decision. We've been so nervous about starting this podcast. It's a whole different experience opening ourselves up in a whole nother way. And you yeah. just, you made it a very safe space. So thank you. We were talking about it. Like we, we wish we started so long ago. Oh, we it's, would have saved on therapy. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> so how was your week? Um, it was good. I mean, we've been really busy with building the container home and, That's been keeping us like kind of on our toes lately. We've got a lot of projects up in the air, but it's coming along. It's, it's feeling good. Yeah. And we kind of thrive under pressure, honestly, Mm -hmm. like that's where you and I shine. I feel for instance, like if we pick back up from last week, the RV, like when we left our jobs and said, like, we're doing this, we didn't have an RV. We didn't have a truck to tow it. Like we were in it, you know? The land, when we came here, we parked the trailer in the driveway and had no power, no water. And we just said, we're going to make it work because when you're in it, you have no choice but to win it. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Put, put that on a mug. Yeah. Look how nice that would look right here. On we're going to have a whole series of mugs. <laughs> Can't wait. Oh, um, also, by the way, I just had a sip of this. Todd found uh, like it's a milk thing, but it's pumpkin spice flavored. It's, it's silk. Like the oat or almond um like he's making it sound like i found it in some faraway land i haven't seen it before it was the grocery store down the road it's like just a creamer (laughs) that you add to your coffee but it's pumpkin spice flavored holy smokes it's so good and you know what it's gonna lead nicely into when they release their peppermint mocha one Mm. for christmas i'm not ready yet i'm not ready oh i'm not ready yet that one's a little too sweet i like this because in a few days you will be ready a few days yes november 1st it's christmas time around here yeah todd is um todd's a pretty big christmas fan Mm -hmm. i do like christmas i have been known to put up nine christmas trees in the exact same house all in one year and it was a great year that one time and then But it's not a problem. Not a problem at all. No. Like, I could stop if I wanted to, but the thing is, I don't. So, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, I said to Todd it would be really cool one time to... I don't know if we'll ever do this, but to really, really decorate the land so opulently for Christmas. And then have, like, people come and do, like, tours of all your little Christmas things. And And then donate it. And, like, give, like, cans of soup and, like, all of that. Yeah. Donate to charity. I think that'd be cool. Oh, I was going to say, so they filled our pantry. <laughs> no. Hey, I mean, you got, <laughs> if you can't look out for yourself first. <laughs> no, I like that idea. The, I think it'd be really cool. Yeah. The issue is we should probably start sooner than later with getting the horses that we need to draw the, the carriages. Oh, we're going carriages, right? We're not, we don't get enough snow before Christmas to rely on a sleigh. Yeah. Not we these have, days. We could have both. Keep we our just in case. open. Let's yeah. stay flexible. <laughs> anyway, that was a brief tangent while we had a sip of coffee. Mm. It's, it's so just good. so good. It's a warm hug for my throat. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds bad. Yeah, it does sound bad. So what are we talking about today? I figured we could answer a question we get asked all the time, and that is, 
why do we live here in a geodesic dome off grid in the middle of the woods? Yeah. If you're, I just want to say, if you are listening to this on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to, just go over to YouTube for a second, just so you can get a visual of what we're living in. It is such an absolutely fascinating structure. We, it's 500 square feet that yes. we're living in. So it's a 530 square foot geodesic dome. It's 26 feet in diameter. And at the very center, it's 15 feet tall and goes out from there. We're perched up on a really breathtaking view of the forest. And it, 25 feet up. Yeah. And how big is the window? Like 15 It's a 15 feet? foot yeah. window across the front that overlooks this. Like It's a swamp, but... It's so beautiful. It has ferns that come here in the summer and it has like, you've seen a deer or something through it. We see yeah. our cat and our um, dogs running through it in the winter. It's it's, it's truly beautiful. Yeah. And the point being, the picture we're trying to paint of this lovely little home we've built is it's also in the middle of the woods, <laughs> very remote. A lot of bugs. A lot of bugs and is completely powered by the sun where we live off grid. And we kind of wanted to get into how that came to be, why we're, it's such a strange life, I think, especially for two gay guys. And but, it's it's not just like a stereotype. It's not many, I think, people in our community choose to live alone in the woods. Yeah, that's that's a fair... Off-grid, yeah. I should say. Yeah. And to get to how we got here, like, we really do have to go back to the road trip because it, it was an experience that I'm very fortunate to have had because it will forever change the way I look at life and what yeah. I value. And so... What was cool about it was, so here we were, we had left our jobs, really good jobs, said, gotta go, thanks, <laughs> hashtag bye, and then... That's the condensed version. <laughs> if you if you didn't catch last week's episode, we really get into it. Yeah. So check that out. But yeah, basically, we left our jobs, moved into an RV, and started traveling full time, and just wanted to hit the road. Yeah, so we left Edmonton in the fall of 2019, yep. and we went... Through the Canadian Rockies over to the West Coast. And then we drove all the way down the West Coast and we made it to Florida and COVID hit. But there's more to it, obviously. But that's kind of like how that journey was. So it it was a really unique places that we got to see mm -hmm. along the way. We got to experience so many different locations and personalities and really societies. And it kind of just shifted us back here in a way to Nova Scotia, like where we first met. Yeah, it was a really weird path because when we hit the road, we really didn't know where we were going at all. We had plans. Of we like were going back. We were going to, I don't know if you remember this, we were going down and we were going to turn around and go back up. Yeah, but to, to do what though? I don't know, but we, were going, but we decided to go around America. I'm saying when we left Edmonton, we didn't know when we were stopping traveling. We didn't know what the end oh, destination I was. I just meant because like as Canadians, we only get six months in the States and we have to come back to Canada. Oh. We were come, at three months. We were turning around and spending the next three months backtracking because we figured that's 50% of the way. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry. I was a little too literal there. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> we can only be in the U.S. for six months. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't giving up my health care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. some health care we have in Canada. That that's for another podcast. That's another day. That is another day. We're in good vibes today. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we w hitting the road and really not knowing what was next was a cool way to just fully be present and to figure out what it really was that we wanted. For the first time in our adult life, we had no responsibilities, no expectations of us. It was a very freeing experience because like we said last week so much of our 20s was just spent working that we never had that real like moment of true freedom and even when we were in university and living together we still worked full time we still had that little side business we had started we had all these different responsibilities and it was weird i found because i to have no responsibility to have none yeah it was weird 
I felt very aimless at first. And I think that added to a lot of the anxiety and panic attacks I was having mm-hmm. within like the first, I would say like two to four months was pretty dicey for me. Like from when we left. Yeah. Because we it took us like a, a month, I think, to renovate before mm-hmm. we hit the road. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was really stressful. I worried we had made the biggest mistake. Like we were so calculated, so careful. And I thought we had like threw it all. It. Yeah. yeah. Like threw it all away sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I felt. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That too. And I think that that is really common when you're making a major shift in your life and you don't know what's next and you haven't had, you don't have it figured out. It's really easy to have like imposter syndrome and like, you know, kind of like sort of self-sabotage yourself a little bit. And I think we both did that because we had a lot of doubts, which looking back now, of course we did. Like, What was your biggest fear? leaving and like starting, what was your biggest fear? I think honestly, my biggest fear was that I wasn't going to find what I was looking for. Mm. Not to get like too deep, but I knew that no matter what you and I, like we could have stayed in California somewhere and we could have got like jobs and like, we could have like, we could have built a whole new life and that would have been amazing. I kind of feel by the way, or it could have been Milwaukee. Like, it could have been anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. yeah. What I else? don't know why Milwaukee, but... Who knows? Could have been. What state is that in? Um, Minnesota? Milwaukee, Minnesota? I no. don't know. Is Milwaukee a state? No, I think it's a city. It's a tool know. brand as well. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you it's from Milwaukee. If you don't know answers to questions, don't ask them. <laughs> <laughs> so, you didn't know, like, you were worried you weren't going to find what you were looking for? Yeah, um... Because that was the whole reason that I was leaving. That was why I wanted to go on this trip because we were so preoccupied with working and with like saving money. And like we kind of got lost in that a bit that I wanted to figure out like what does my life look like when I'm I wanted to find happiness. And I don't know if a lot of people go on like epic road trips like that to be looking for something. I don't know what people's motivations are, but that was definitely mine. Yeah. What about you? Mine was um, escapism. I thought that it would end and I thought we were going to be right back to Edmonton. So I was in my head always trying to like live in the moment. But at the same time, those first few months when I was like the most uncertain, I feel like I was always scared I'd have to go back to Edmonton and say that I was wrong for quitting or something like that. Do you like, mm, yeah. Or that like, say we were gone for two years and it had completely destroyed all the sacrifices we had made up until that point of quitting our jobs. Like I was, I was just worried that like it, it was all gone. Like everything, your whole life, everything yeah. that you worked for. Re- yeah. Like it, we, retirement became that much further away because we made a stupid mistake and lost all that work we had put in. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, I so could see that's that why being... I was like living in the moment because I thought that was the moment. That was it. Mm, yeah. I'm really, we, we had to work through a lot of serious, like not serious. We had to work through a lot of mental health sort of stuff and unpack a lot of things that we were avoiding in our regular everyday life. Yeah. I think we were kind of caught up in other people's goals of what's normal or typical. So for instance, we got like, you got the good bank manager job and I Mm -hmm. got the, you know, the local recreation job. And like, we were doing those things. We were getting ready to start a family. We had the house, we had the SUV, we had box, 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 check, check, check. Yeah. But it was someone else's checklist and it wasn't ours and it just never felt True. And yeah, it never, that is such a good way. It didn't, it didn't feel true to us. It didn't feel authentic. And we were, we woke up in a life that we didn't choose 
but then at the same time, we also didn't like go through everything that we did in coming out and like finding ourselves and finding each other and love and building this life to be settling for something that we really didn't want. I think that's the best way to explain why we like blew up our life and then like yeah. just left it. And I think it's also because you and I are very strong, but independent people. We work very uniquely together and we always find a fix to a problem. Sometimes it's <laughs> it's a dicey fix. Yeah. There has <laughs> been some... <laughs> the problem is solved enough to move on to the next one. That, that time we duct uh, taped gutters onto a gazebo it was two-sided tape and it said it was outside proof so i didn't know why it wasn't gonna like why i why still don't know work it got us through the summer so that's all that matters. that's true yeah we collected a lot of rainwater that summer yeah but it was it was good i liked it but that was sort of one of those things we were trying to figure out a problem it got us enough water that little i mean we're on a tangent now about the gutter but it got us what we needed we needed water to grow the food so we could eat the food yeah. And we were collecting it with a gutter with two-sided tape on the gazebo. It worked. And that's you and I. Like, But I find when other people get into the mix or other people start telling us what it is we're supposed to be doing, that's where you and I go awry because we question ourselves. Well, not, not so much in the last five years, but that was something that we really... Ha- Those were lessons that we had to learn of like, who are we exactly? What is it that we want? And like tr- staying true to that... I think we've been, we're better at that now than we ever have been. And that comes with experience and age and all of that. Exactly. That's the thing. Like we were getting, like, I think it was also like, I was turning 29, you were turning 28. I think as you start to get to your thirties, like you start to realize like the impact of the decisions you're making now, for instance, like we were at a point where if we had have stayed another five years in our jobs, it's a normal thing. Well, I've got 10 years in, I've only got another 15 to pension. Mm-hmm. Like, and I didn't want to be that type. You didn't of- want to wake up. And I don't know if in other places they have this, but in Canada, it's called the golden handcuffs. And it's when you basically, you're in a government job and you have this amazing pension, but you are really unhappy. And every day you dread going to work. You can tell they're unhappy when you go to the passport office. <laughs> <laughs> So, (laughs) but we, we didn't want that for ourselves. And we were very aware that it was going to slowly start becoming a thing. Yes, I get it. It's a very first world problem, but the reality is you're going to die and you only have so many days on this earth. And there's no way of knowing how many there are and how many you you've used. A hundred percent. And I think that became more evident to us. And also like we do it now when we still can, we're mobile, we have the money now. And if it doesn't work out, we can go back to work and like figure it out. I think that was really, really good that we did it. Mm -hmm. That was basically, it's kind of, um, kind of a blessing in disguise because we were traveling for probably six or seven months and we going through all of that. We were alone. We had no friends. We had no family, obviously, because we were on the road. Of course, we met people along the way, but it's like it's a different connection. And by the time COVID happened, we were in Florida. We were staying in a state park just outside Tampa, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something Hills. Yeah. I forget what it was called, but we were staying there and then COVID happened and then the border was potentially closing the Canada U S border. And we were really worried about that. And the government did we make a mistake? We had no home to go to. We rented our house out. Yeah. So then we were like, what are we going to do? Canada is cold, cold, cold in March. So we were like, well, I guess we're going back to Canada. So we packed everything up. Yeah. (laughs) Packed everything up. And then, booked it all the way from Florida to Canada over the course of three days and got to the border. And we were like, okay, well, what now? Yeah. So we parked in my parents' driveway. We wrote out our quarantine. Yeah. And then we were fortunate enough that there was a piece of land nearby and we started clearing the driveway, I think like the first or second week of April like it was very fast after we got here I think we quarantined in the RV at your parents for like maybe like mm, three weeks something like that no we we were there so it was a two-week quarantine we were there until we moved here but we were working like we couldn't come here till the driveway got in oh right yeah the the spring thaw is what slowed things down so do you find 
um, I don't know if this is just me, but chunks of that like quarantine time and like all through the whole COVID experience is such a like blur. Like I have like gaps in my memory of it. Do you find? I do. I find that something changed in 2022 where I can start to like remember time a little more cohesively. Yeah. But there is that like year and a half or two years almost. Where like you didn't feel like you were living. No, it's it's just like... I I think it's because it was such a state of uncertainty. Like I can look back at periods of my life and know based on there, this was going on Um, or we lived in this apartment or this house, or I was taking this course. I did this job. I worked at this facility, like those types of things, but like landmarks, basically there was landmarks and like, just, yeah, like I, it was so easy to pinpoint based on, good times or bad times. So I can remember like where I really enjoyed working and everything that happened in that period of time. Mm, okay. So like, like when you, you hook on to like a time or, or place. like first year of university, I can remember my university doesn't blur together. I can remember first year, second year, third year, fourth and fifth. I can remember each year very distinct. Mm-hmm. And I find that for, um, like throughout my life, like I have periods of time like that. They, I can clearly split where I want to like remember from to what I want to stop remembering. If that, if I'm explaining this right, this time from when COVID hit to like a year ago, maybe a little more, I can't really find a point to drop and be like, Mm. I know exactly how I felt at that time, what I was doing, what was going on around me. Like it all meshed together. And it's gone. I wonder psychologically like why that is. And if we're, if other people feel that way, I think a lot of people do. Do you think? I really do. I think that because there was no, where did you trust? There was so much uncertainty. There was so much information, misinformation, disinformation, like, and then, what a time it was so confusing and scary Mm -hmm. for so many different reasons and so that's why i think it kind of blurs like it's probably a psychological defense of like let's yeah let's kind of like like compartmentalizing yeah oh yeah i bet anyway we should have taken psychology we would have been good at it hello like we're such good theorizers (laughs) so anyway um where were where were we so we got here we started clearing the driveway the reason it took so long to actually move here was we couldn't put the drive with the actual gravel in because the road closures here. Because in Canada, right. the thaw, the frost thaws out of the ground and they can't run heavy trucks or it like cracks the road or something. So we had to sit <laughs> for a long time. Something real technical. So we lived in my parents' driveway for four months before we moved up here on July 2nd of 2020. Yeah. So then we drug the RV up here and parked it on that, on that pad that we put in and it... There really was nothing here except just forest. It was like a completely vacant piece of land. We have 10 acres here and we have transformed it into a literal paradise. Sometimes I forget. I mean, we go walking on this like all the time. Like it's we've built walking trails and stuff. And yeah, like we've done it so that everything kind of flows. It's a dream place. Um, everything kind of like flows. So you never have to take like a hard turn or you can like just meander around and it comes back from the road trip. Yeah. This whole property has always been designed as our fail safe. Mm-hmm. So if everything goes wrong in the world, because that was the fear that I had at that time, like I was like paranoid that. Oh yeah. You it, went like, off the deep end. I was Todd? like, we need to buy if like, if there is a canned good somewhere, you buy that and you just put it somewhere and hold on to it and get as many of them as you can. I think there's shows about these people, but like preppers. Yeah. Like I wanted to build a bunker somewhere. Like I was just really scared because I didn't still do. Yeah. (laughs) But I didn't know where to turn for the right information. And like, it was just like, even the people that always were supposed to be in the know or always were that sense of security, even they didn't know. And that's what was really scary. I found it. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. And I think that the decision to make sure that this place had absolutely everything that we needed, because during those lockdown times, like you couldn't go to the gym, you couldn't like 
couldn't do anything. Like you really couldn't leave. And we wanted to make sure that we had all of our bases covered. We wanted to grow our own food. We wanted to generate our own power, have shelter, all of the essentials. And it all started because rather than living in my parents' driveway while we were figuring out the next steps, we wanted to have a driveway of our own in the middle of the woods so that we felt like we were back in a state park Yeah, because we really felt at home when we were traveling and staying in those wooded, secluded areas. I think what I learned the most from the road trip, I love the land. That That's the name of our property here, just the land. We always called it that. People ask us if we were going to name it. It has a name, the land. Yeah. End of. So I think that this was kind of us getting that cozy feeling. Mm -hmm. And I learned that I don't want an urban city life. That's not my thing. Like I'm, I think too anxious to be in an environment like that. Like I get really angsty. I think people would be surprised to hear that about you. I don't think that you would come across like as like an anxious person. I would like explain that a little bit more. So When I lived in my old life, like, because that's kind of what I refer to it as, like when we were in Edmonton and stuff and had our more like corporate jobs and we were like, we lived in the suburbs. That was, we had like that city life. We drove into the city every day and worked and stuff. And it just never felt real to me. I was fortunate enough. I grew up in a small town, literally just down the road from where we're sitting right now. Mm -hmm. And we were on a large wooded piece of property. I, because my parents worked in the city, I didn't live in a subdivision, so I wasn't able to walk over to my friend's house and play. I had to learn how to entertain myself, keep myself busy, and my brain works in a different way, I find, and I find nature challenges me in a way that I can't get from a city because it's all constructed. Whereas here, how I was always the kid that was like building forts in my parents' backyard, but it wasn't mm-hmm. just a fort. It was like decorated and like <laughs> I was, was transplanting moss from other parts of the forest to build like a nice entrance and like <laughs> shaving bark off the trees for the <laughs> like, siding. Like it was, it was, the signs were there. Yeah. So it, I think that living in a city, I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. I went to university. Like, that's what I thought I was meant to do. I was supposed to leave the small town, go get that big city life, like out west in big old Edmonton. <laughs> and it just never <laughs> felt real because I always, I couldn't relax there. I literally took up knitting so that I could calm my brain because I couldn't watch TV. So I would knit dishcloths while watching TV because I also couldn't commit to knitting a scarf or a blanket because it was too much of a time commitment. (laughs) You did knit a lot of dishcloths. And I hate knitted dishcloths. I think they are the worst, worst thing ever, but I donated them all to the Red Cross bins. I don't mind knitted dishcloths. It's just they end up smelling really quickly. That's what I don't... And they stretch out a shape and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like more of like a cotton dishcloth. Yeah, I think so too. But anyway, <laughs> it what you were saying though, it like it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's why I find here, like the road trip really confirmed that this is the right place. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's interesting because I look back at that first summer here and that first winter when we were in the first RV, the one that we traveled in the road trip with. Yeah. And that we we cut a nine inch hole in the ceiling of it so we could have a little wood stove and ride the winter out in it. Yeah. We burned six and three quarter inch logs in this wood stove. We were able to make soup and hot water because we had no water or electricity. Mm-hmm. But something about that, I actually preferred that over Same. what we have now. Oh, uh, no, I don't. I like I look back. I think it's just because like things are a little like chaotic here right now with house construction. There was something so simple and innocent about that time. Okay, well, your simple and innocent (laughs) ass can go live. I'm not saying I want to go back to it. It was hard. That was it. It's like, oh, oh, my gosh. You have no idea unless you've truly lived in that life, how difficult it was. We had no running water, no electricity. Like, literally, we were camping in an RV for months. We had to sew curtains to go over top of the windows because we were losing too much heat through them. 
And then that didn't work. So we plugged up the furnace vents and relied solely on the wood stove. Yeah. That didn't work. So then we closed off the bedroom and stuck to just like the couch and kitchen area. And by that the was end the of only it, way we could stay warm. Yeah, the only way. And by the end of it, we had hay bales stuffed underneath the trailer to keep it warm. We ended up getting mice everywhere. It was it was a really, really difficult, really difficult winter. It was. But I think we learned a lot. And that's why I look back at it. Because it, I think we moved here with such a sense of innocence that that summer, I, at least for myself, lived in that state. So winter was like a shock to me. But that's yeah. why I'm able to look back at it. Because now, like, even now that we're more comfortable and have power and water, I'm still nervous for winter. They are not easy when you're off grid, when it's snowing and you have to go out and rake the panels. I mean, it, it sounds like we're complaining. I love this life, but it is. There's sti- work. There is definitely work involved, especially like, I don't know if you can see like the trees outside the dome, like moving right now. And like this building moves at the end of the day, we are living in a tent. Make no mistake, these walls are as thin as a piece of paper made of PVC. But we're working on a house. And I think that's yeah. part of... But it, what I was going to say, though, about the winter, this will be our fourth winter living not in a house, like having to worry about f- like not having running water, like all the considerations, like it's four years down the line. And I'm not saying that I don't love this life and the, this place that we've built is beautiful, but it has not been without sacrifice. And sometimes it's just tiring. Like it's, it's tiring. It is. It is a constant uphill battle. It feels, but then it's also very unique and it goes back to the fail safe. This property, we truly believe like our thing is like, we want to invest upfront. So I guess part of the, a question we get asked all the time, why off-grid? We do have power running by our property. We made the active choice to stay off-grid through this whole process because we don't agree with the way that power is done where we live. It's a dirty grid that burns 60% coal, and we just didn't want to be part of that problem. So we chose to, sure, we ran a generator while we were working towards now having our solar panels that provide us electricity. And down the road, we'd love to be able to put in a wind turbine of some sort that can totally. help Especially us on this. in the nighttime. Yeah. And then it also takes away some of that work, like the, um, like if clearing off the panels, if the wind is going and we're yeah. still generating, then we're fine. A big reason though, like I, of course, like the environmental aspect, like it is, it's cleaner what the way that we're doing it. But another big thing was we could control the cost. Mm-hmm. So we knew power, if we pay for it up front, was going to be free for the rest of our life. Utility cost is is an expense we all have, no matter what. Like, you have to pay for those things. And we didn't have to. If we put in a well, we wouldn't have to. So we put in a well for water. So then we had our power and our water supply paid for. Yeah. That's so two huge things. We kind of looked at it. We locked in the price of our utilities at the age of 30 and 31 when we built started building the infrastructure and like we put in a lot of the work ourselves doing the trenching and the laying of the pipes and the conduit and all of that which also helped offset the cost so right there we already have a discounted utility cost and we get to spread that over the life of the property or the system so either it breaks at some point like everything does And then we divide that many years through the cost and that's how much our power was over that time. Or we get old and gray and go off to the nursing home and die like in the notebook and we break our cost over that amount of time that we ended up living here. You know, it's kind of cool that we don't have to worry about some utility company making sure they're hitting shareholder profit margins. Yeah. Impacting our ability to feed our kids or do the things that bring us joy in life. Yeah. I, we just got really concerned with not to sound like too tin hatty, (laughs) but we get kind of concerned with whenever there's government involved or like regulation, utility companies, all of that, they are only out in my opinion for their interests. They don't actually care about us at all. Well, 
perfect example is the house that we have been working for almost three years to build and we are just at the rough end stage. You would not believe the amount of red tape and regulations. Like we should actually do a whole episode on that. If that's of any interest, like let us know because that's been an experience. Yeah. And like, sure, it's a unique build. It's a shipping container home. It hasn't been done here. And it is a challenge to make it meet code in a Canadian environment. It would be so much easier if we didn't have the insulation factor and the heating. Like if we were in a more Southern environment, it would be a different can of worms, but it is a true challenge here. And a lot of the like codes and policies and laws and stuff that are in place don't, they simply understand like stick frame houses. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. If you could go back in time, is there anything that you would do differently here? Before I said no, you asked me this question a lot. Like I like I, to just test you. Yeah, you like to check in. I don't think that I would have made this place quite as big and as sprawling as it's become. But at the same time, I know that we needed to do that because of the different iterations that it had. Like we were just talking about the RV and how difficult that was in the winter. The whole reason we built this dome was because we were able to build it in like two days, like, well, like the exterior shell. And it was a very quick fix to get out of the RV. Well, it was also, so we knew that the house was going to take a couple years. By this point, yeah. it was clear that construction was going to be very slow. So we couldn't keep living in the RV. We moved into our new RV that spring and it was a good fix. It was a fresh, clean space. And I think it really gave us that motivation to build the dome down here to have that new fresh space. And we knew it would be cheaper long term to invest in putting this type of infrastructure in here than it would have been to rent somewhere Yeah. Because we have two dogs and now a cat, like rent was going to be expensive. So instead of doing that, we built our dome. Thank God we did because the house is now like a year and a half late from what we even expected it to be. Can you um, imagine if we didn't have this place? We would have had to move at least once. And like every month that we live in the dome, it gets that much cheaper to have built it because we are saving that much in rent. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just want to put like some real numbers on it so people can kind of get some context, I guess. Like this, the the shell of this building was around $8,000. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a thing like kitchen and flooring and, you know, that sort of stuff. But in the grand, we it'd be cool to add up like exactly what it costs to build this. But what, what would you say? Maybe like 30,000, somewhere around there, like with like all the furniture and all that stuff. I would say it probably got closer to 40 when we redid it to settle in long term. Yeah. So we added uh, the island to the kitchen so that we had a better cooking space and we redid the wood storage area and we added the heat pump. There were some things that we did to really make it more comfortable so that we could actually stay here long term and we didn't have to rush the house. Exactly. Yeah. When you think about how this really is like it's it's our house. We live we live in here. So it's still hard, though. It is hard. Yes. But like for forty thousand dollars to have this like temporary structure is pretty amazing. And like you said, we would have had to pay that in rent while the house got built anyway. But that to answer your question, I love that the dome is here. It's going to be the most amazing guest house when friends and family come and visit. Although I'm sure that they'll want to stay in the container home, too. But it is nice to have this bonus space, but I also like, it's more maintenance. It's more, you know, it makes the property bigger. Yeah. So it's like a double-edged sword. Well, it's one of those things. The property was supposed to be a small cabin in the woods. The dome came about because the house was going slower. Then because we went off grid, we thought that we could get away with just clearing a little tiny bit of storage. But in order to make it work off grid, we had to remove a lot more of the force than I thought we were going to have to. Yeah. Which there's pros and cons to that. And that's a whole different discussion for another day. But it it changed what the vision of the place was supposed to be. And we really don't like maintenance. I don't like grass necessarily because I find it's an 
unnecessary thing to maintain. Yeah. Like I do I love t- it. I wish we I wish we had a lawn somewhere. Don't yeah. get me wrong because they are beautiful. But at the same time, I didn't want this whole the whole area we had to clear in order to produce enough electricity. I didn't want to have to mow that every week. Yeah, we are not really big on tasks that are like time consuming, <laughs> ongoing, and re- ongoing. Every single week you have to do this thing. Mm-mm, that's no. not going to be us. So that's why it got so big here was our determination to not be on grid. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I, I Is that your regret? It is. I get nervous long term of how we're going to be able to maintain it. Mm -hmm. I know we'll make it work. Luckily, like this building, the dome and stuff, I love it. I want it to last for a long time, but it does have a shelf life. It's a temporary structure that's being used in a permanent setup right now. We often don't talk about this just because like in a 20 minute YouTube video, that's not really related to that. You, you can't get into the weeds like we can right now, but living in this, it has its struggles. Like in the winter, it keeps its own in terms of temperature. To a degree. We've, to a degree. We've yeah. lost two coffee makers so far, one per winter. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, how are you feeling the fact that we are just about to change seasons again and go for a fourth winter of essentially camping? Um, it's hard and I, I love it because I love the property, but I don't like this aspect of it. If I could go away from it, I would, I don't enjoy, I know I will love winter here when it's done. When, when we have a house to live in. But we're not like, let's, let's be realistic. That house is not going to have running water. So there's no shower. So it's back to my parents' basement to shower or go to a gym or go to the pool or find something or baby wipes. Costco is the cheapest place to buy bulk baby wipes if you're living off grid. We get up to some shenanigans in the winter. It buys time. (laughs) If you only knew. And I think all of that is to say the reason that we're doing all of those things and making all those sacrifices is because I know it's going to be worth it in the end. It's oh, going to, it is. It's going to be exactly what we want. When this is done, we're going to have what is going to be a very high-end luxury home with a pool, with all of these like beautiful things, but no utilities, no water, nothing. Yeah. It's going to cost us nothing to heat. It's basically going to be free for us to live. But the flip side to that is we've went through four years of being incredibly uncomfortable and making a lot of sacrifices. Do you know what kind of keeps me going though? A property like this, I think because we build it to such a high standard as well, it goes back to you and I being perfectionists. Like we're building a residential property with a lot of commercial spec. Yeah. And that's because... We don't want to do maintenance. (laughs) Well, we don't want to do maintenance, but I also look at it big picture. Like if we're fortunate enough to take our experiences and create this property that's able to maintain itself and only has the insurance property tax and maintenance costs to run. How cool is it that if we decide to start a family one day that we can provide that ability to our child? So why wouldn't I want to build the house so that it can be a multi-generational family? Because I really think that that's what's going to be more common. No, like for people in later generations is maintaining a home heating a home, lights on, like those things are only getting more expensive. Even in our time, we buy firewood. This is our fourth winter. Look at the cost difference in just four years. It's doubled. Oh yeah, it is. It's unbelievable. Like just for a quart of wood, it was like what, 225? Something. And now it's like 400. So imagine being able, like when we're done living here, we go off to the nursing home to ride out our final days with some awesome jello. And... Uh, the next generation gets to come in here and start their memories here and have that burden gone. So they have the ability to like find happiness the way you and I did on the road trip. Yeah, it is. It's a really cool thing. I think that freedom gives you a lot of perspective and we brought the freedom from the road trip into this place. Like this place, it we also did this because if we ever wanted to hit the road again, we can literally just go and it doesn't cost us anything to yeah. have this place here. We never wanted to be paying twice. Like we didn't want to be like staying in a hotel somewhere, but then paying to heat 
this house here. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I think that was really cool too. I don't know. I'm really happy with it. There's nothing really I would change except for what you said, the size. Like yeah. th- that is the one thing, but nothing we can do about it now. It's too late. We're in it now. <laughs> yeah, it's not like we can lift the containers back out. No. Although I tell you what, some days I'm like, get that crane back in here and take those suckers out. This is probably a topic for another podcast as well, but Knowing what you know now, would you have built a shipping container home? No, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't either. We did it as a cost-saving measures. At that time, lumber prices were, like the commodity of lumber was going so high that we couldn't afford- Steel was cheaper. Steel was cheaper. We couldn't afford to start the house with wood. Then steel started to go up and there's just no getting away from it. It's expensive. Like, But I wouldn't, I would do it like I said earlier, in a warmer climate. I think that it's a really cool thing to do. It's just to like six inches on every single wall has to be insulation. So then on a eight foot container, you're automatically down to seven foot wide. So then you add the second one to have, so you don't feel jammed in. And then the complication of opening those containers, like that's what's hard about it. Yeah, it's... um. If you can do like a bunkie or a cottage as a one container unit, hands down, I would build one in a heartbeat. But multiple for a family home is hard. I totally agree. It's just it's too much of a um, it's too much of an engineering challenge as well. Like people, I don't think fully understand how much goes into the actual like calculations of it all. Like I don't. (laughs) I mean, we're not doing it, but like. It just because an engineer signs off on something, the building inspector needs to be fine with it as well. Like there's there's a lot of people that have had their fingers in this project, I guess. And everyone's like opinions of like, oh, I don't know if that will work or I don't know if that will work makes us question and makes us go back and retrace our steps. And it's just it's quite it's been very time consuming. It also slows things down because people instead of like if you're the building department and like looking at all these plans come through you see typical you're able to put that big red stamp quicker this is something that you have to dedicate time to sit down and wrap your head around it like even though we're building a regular house it's just made out of big steel boxes it is very hard for people to understand yeah, the only, literally the only difference is that the exterior cladding is made of shipping container. But I did like the challenge of, like, if we were building with wood, we would have had free form control. We were stuck of building something with the shape of mm. the boxes. And that's why I really love the way that, since we put the addition on, had to, because the stairs didn't fit. Um, it looks like a house that someone would build with blocks. And that's what I like about it. It's yeah, very... it's, I'm, I have such weird feelings about it. Cause like, I'm so in love with this place. I'm, I love how everything has come together and I don't want to like speak bad about the containers because that house is just, it's so beautiful. But knowing what I know now, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, even I though agree. I love it. I think you can love something, but not want to do it again. Like I, people, a lot of people probably feel like that about their kids. A hundred percent. Even their spouses. <laughs> yeah. It's, I love the house. I hate the process. Yeah. Agreed. But you know what? The process is what's making us love it even more. So it's kind of like a catch yeah. 22. I think that's the right expression for that. Not very good with expressions. Todd makes up his expressions as he goes. I make things work. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that is a roundabout way of how we got to where we are and why we live the way we live off grid where we do in a big tent in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's some holes in the story along the way. Oh, and yeah. Over the coming episodes, we'll fill those in. But we do have a very special segment that we're going to be trying called Tea Time with Tyler and Todd. So what it is, is we're going to get you all to send us in your most juicy, scandalous situations you can be involved in them. You could have overheard it from the neighbors arguing in the backyard. Or- but completely, completely anonymously. And we're just going to, Tyler's going to read them and we're going to react and give our advice and just going to preface by saying we're not professionals. We're not lawyers. 
Don't sue us. Probably don't take our advice either. But I hope you enjoy the listen. And if you want to send in a situation, you can head over to tylerandtodd.com slash podcast and submit your situation anonymously there. It says, what's the tea? And then you get to spill the tea. All right. You ready? I'm ready. First one. Okay. My friend from college is getting married and every single person that knows her fiance thinks he's gay. They are both religious and live in the south of the US. She told me that she found his dildos in the closet and that he uses to help himself go to the deed. AKA he's effing himself. She said that they've talked about that and it's all good now and they use them sometimes when they're having sex together. Every single person who knows this story knows this is a clear sign of being gay. She lives under a rock and he is oblivious to everything. She is somewhat book smart, but is so street stupid. At this point, there is nothing we can do to tell her he's gay. What do you think? Well, there's that so, is some tea. First that's of some all. tea. And I'm loving this. But there's so many ways you can go with this. Just because he's shoving a dildo in his doesn't necessarily mean that he's gay. Put I that think, on a mug. I we got two out of this episode. <laughs> I think that that's an overgeneralization. Yeah, I think so too. Even if she had walked in with him with a man in him, that would have like not necessarily been, you know, like did she find the dildos or did she find him dildoween? What? Like, I think that if he's trying to find himself, I think that everyone should explore sexually to find out what you like because you don't know what you don't like. So, okay, you have me for a second. Listen, if you are a straight man and you are experimenting with a dildo, I do not think that that makes you gay. Not for a second. I guess a man is a little. If she walked in on him getting. Yeah, I can see it now. I was just saying he's experimenting, like figuring it out, but no. Yeah. Don't take our advice. (laughs) This has been Tea Time with Tyler and Todd. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. Really, though. I don't know. I would you tell her? Um, tell her what? That he's gay. Like, would you sit her down and be like, you're making a mistake? No, because I don't think that he's necessarily gay from that story. Oh, right. I'm the one who said he was a guy, not her. Yes, that's you. That's not the situation. I got it mixed up in my head. That's my bad. (laughs) You are so unqualified to give advice that you can't even hear the story. I add details to make it juicier. (laughs) Wow. We need to get out more. See, if I had gossip like in my life, like that's a that's a good one. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that type of a submission right no. off the get-go. No, wow. but we're, we are here for more of that. So yeah. if you have a submission, let us know. And in next episode, maybe we'll answer yours. Yeah. But as always, thank you so much for giving five-star reviews to the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, leaving comments and giving the thumbs up on YouTube. It really, really does help the algorithm. So shout out to all of you for supporting our channel. It really means a lot. It means so much to us and we hope you have a great week and we will see you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.